saw them. Those guys, Lewis and Hall, went out for lunch a couple of days ago, and they were just bitching about the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that when they got when she got home, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. G'day scholars and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. It's what the nerds are watching. I'm your host, Dom Philp, on the mic. Not too hard, not too soft, but just right. And this is episode 10, I think it is. I can't believe that we've done 10 of these things already. Time has just flown by when you have to edit these things for three to four hours per week. But here we go. We are here. Hey, and so are you. If you're enjoying these things, remember that we give it to you free of charge every single Friday on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you podcast from best way that you can support is rate review subscribe tweet it out instagram it out facebook it out why don't you tell your friends why don't you ring your mum? why don't you write a letter to someone why don't you hit someone up poke someone on facebook have a hotel something like that i don't really know how the internet works other than trying to get this podcast out every single friday hey let's get straight in to the podcast this week let's get into the call-up sheet Wrestling Fun Pod, uh, episode 10. It's what the nerds are watching. And we are getting set for a big double main event. We've got Yoko versus Lex Luger at halftime. And then we've got Brett versus Yoko in the main. Really excited about it. Uh, stolen from its joke and reused it, but changed the wrestlers to be more funny. And uh, we're gonna start off. <laughs> we're gonna start off with the call-up sheet with uh, Ross the boss. He's back, the returning boss. Hey everyone. Um, listen to last week's extended podcast which almost lost wives and girlfriends for Dom and Bromit. Um, <laughs> um love listening to it as a like just a, as a listener. I was super excited. I was very much in the Mike Knight mode of tapping away at the Spotify feed and trying and hoping that it was there. Um but it was well worth the wait and Roe and Shafi both did an amazing job and I hope that, that we'll have them back on soon. Good lads. Too good a job. One of the bastards won book a bingo. <laughs> yeah. So should we start off with the call sheet? Yeah, yeah. I believe it's called the call up sheet, mate. Don't mess it up. It's really important. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it makes no sense without that one word. <laughs> We've just lost fifteen hundred listeners there, Ross. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Play Eric Prids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we start off with. The brilliantly named Richard Likes Hamburgers from somewhere. Uh, Dick Patty Love? <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's good. I, I was thinking Big Dick Mayo. <laughs> 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 I'm going to make it blue, sorry. <laughs> um, next up, we've got all the way from LA. We've got You Are LA Promoter. Is he, is he the American OJMO? <laughs> you Are L.A. You are L.A. Oh, he could be. Yeah, that's yeah, or, or, well, he could be. He could. That could be a faction, couldn't it? it could be uh, Uncle Roger's Lucha Academy. Uh, next up, we've got Danny Damage. 
Oh, oh. He, I mean, he's booked himself. He's he's winning like an FWA title in 2007, isn't he? If he ain't the heel when I go to Butlins, I don't know who is. I can see him coming out with like one of those like um, ball, like silver ball necklaces, you know, that like everyone's aware in 2003 and have like a wallet chain linking his belt to his like Velcro curl wallet. <laughs> but still with kick pads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, Danny Damage is in a year-long feud against Mark Sloan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Stuart Lawson from Edinburgh. So Stuart Lawson is actually, that's the name. It's actually Stuart Law's son. Stuart Law famously got one test for Australia in the 90s. He got, he, he made it on debut and never got another game. <laughs> Stuart Lawson is just when Impact signs Stu Grayson, isn't it? <laughs> What's Stu Lawson doing in the Impact Zone? <laughs> Next up, we've got Emerald Hills, who has got the brilliant Twitter handle of Turd Ferguson. <laughs> Emerald yeah. Hills sounds like what Vince McMahon wants to call all the divas. <laughs> <laughs> What's Ruby Mountains doing in the impact? <laughs> I thought it could be like uh like some sort of maybe like Irish traveler gimmick. Like that's like a serious one. I think that'd be a really cool gimmick. The yeah, Emerald Hills. It also sounds like like a Mario level. Oh, that's even better. It's Mario Kart for sure. <laughs> so so she's got a plumber. But it didn't do. So finally, we've got your favourite cuz from Cleveland. From Cleveland, sorry, I'm Cleveland. <laughs> which, which, which Cleveland in Ohio or in like Middlesbrough? I think it's Ohio. Okay. Was it your favourite cuz? See you yeah. Your favourite cuz. Okay. <laughs> well, like, obviously. Is that relative? Can that be objective? Yeah, like, I think, like, because like, for me, his name would just be Sonia Philp. <laughs> What's who's Dom? You'll know this. You're more of an, you're the ECW resident ECW aficionado. Who was the guy who was everyone's favourite homeboy in the latter days of ECW? And he'd come out and he'd be like, and he'd be billed from whatever town they're in, and his nickname would be everyone's like, he'd be like the hometown boy, Chili Willy. Have I made that up? That doesn't sound right, does it? Chili Willy. Chilly, I don't remember that gimmick very well, but he was a guy. Yeah. Yeah, it might be him then. Yeah. Well, that, he is. So, Chili Willy is your favourite cause. I'd like to know. Maybe he's got a bushwhacker. <laughs> Cousin Luke and Cousin. I just want to put him with Callahan because he's from Ohio. And, like, <laughs> just do that whole Ohio versus everything because uh, the Chris brothers aren't with Callahan anymore, are they? For, uh, for reasons. <laughs> reasons. Yeah, Ohio cousins versus everything. <laughs> so that's the call up sheet for the week, and uh, thanks to everyone for uh, asking for a shout out. And we hope that you enjoyed your gimmicks. Excellent stuff. Uh, really, really good. I guess the call up sheet, smashing it for another week. Um, and what do we do next? What the nerds are watching? I've been watching you a la 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 long, a la 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 long, 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 come on. Uh, I'm going to go first this week. I've not, I've not watched anything since WrestleMania. I had a bit of a WrestleMania hangover. Um, and I, you know what? I did watch Monday Night Raw. 
and it didn't really leave a lasting impression on me. And I'm pretty, I'm just scouring my brain. I'm pretty sure I haven't watched anything else since. Um, I, any, yeah, someone else go because I've got nothing. Cheers, Tom. <laughs> no, well, well, I thought I'd get it out of the way, but then I just kept talking by accident. <laughs> you know what the tragedy, the tragedy is, Tom, that I haven't watched any wrestling either this week. I feel fatigued on wrestling as well. So I'm just going to sit with Dom and you guys hopefully have watched something. Well, I reckon that, I reckon that there's a pretty good chance that when someone mentions something, I'll probably be like, oh yeah, I did watch that. But I, at the moment, I can't remember. You, you saw CM Punk's debut at Dynamite, Dom. <laughs> so, so me and Bram have already had a bit of a discussion about what we watched earlier this week. And um, we'll just do that on the pod if it's only us two that, that, that watch wrestling. Um, but for me, the highlight this week, aside from the obvious Meltzer rated five-star opening match on AEW, which was absolutely fantastic. Dom and Matt, if you haven't seen it yet, seek out the uh, match between Death Triangle and Young Bucks. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Shafi mentioned in the pod messaging group that he felt that the uh, issues with the Young Bucks were addressed in that match where they're now officially heels. They, they did some brilliant stuff as, as a heel tag team, including, um, I think it's that it must be the only five-star rated match that has got at least five back rakes as the, as, as the Young Bucks really went to town on the back rakes. Um, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And obviously it's lauded by everyone else. But for absolute fun i thought that the nxt main event this week with the way against uh shotzi ember dexter loomis and bronson reed absolutely brilliant brum said to me online that he felt that it was like a a house show match because there was just so much fun about the match there was there was silliness there was good wrestling and an angle that made sense in terms of Indy Hartwell being absolutely besotted with Dexter Loomis and playing a almost like sensational Sherry at SummerSlam 92. I don't know if, if you got that vibe, seeing that match where Rick, where Rick Martel and Shawn Michaels can't hit, can't hit each other in the face. And Sherry is kind of trying to stop them from, from fighting each other and pretending to be hurt and, Indy Hartwell went into the Sherry Martel playbook a little bit, and I thought she was absolutely brilliant in it. And in something that I've been meaning to say on this podcast for a while is that Johnny Gargano has been getting pelters from the internet wrestling community for a while now for how um, sincere his wrestling and his facials are um, as a face. And since he's gone hill and they've been, and they've made him into the world's biggest book, I think it's completely rejuvenated him. And he's got this new side to his character that's entertaining as hell. And he still puts on bangers on the takeovers against the, the likes of Reed last week. So I absolutely love that main event. How about you, Brum? I, I, I'm not going to repeat everything he said, Ross, because I basically agreed with everything there. Yeah, Gargano, I was done with. And I, I'm, a, I'm a massive Gargano fanboy from... Um, DG USA of all days, all the way through. Always loved him. Um, but I got, like everyone else, got bored with him. But you're right. just He's just jumped into this so well. And that whole stable, like I said, is brilliant. Indy Hartwell is gold, isn't she? 
really, really gold. Like her comedic timing, um, I'm sure we'll get to it later, is it's not quite Billy Kay levels, but it's um it's very, very up there for a wrestler. Um, yep. Yeah, so and, and I think I watched it, and after finishing the episode of NXT, I was just like, Ross is going to absolutely love this episode because <laughs> it was just start to end. It was just a really, really it wasn't a work rate show. It was just a really fun wrestling show, and and I I know I'm usually the the work rate work rate wanker as hard as that is to say of the group, but um, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, loved it. Um, the and yeah, agree with you about the books as well. I was the one being like, I'm not sure this is. This melodrama has gone too long. They were brilliant, not just in the um, in the match, but in the little promo bit they did. The, the only other and and talk about NXT UK. I'm gonna go a, a slightly different route. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like the main event, I think I think I've been nowhere near as as on up on Kenny Williams as you have. But that that episode really really sold him to me. I thought it was brilliant. But the, yeah, the one thing that I've been absolutely loving about NXT UK, which is I think my favourite thing in NXT UK, is the Piper Niven Jack Stars friendship. I'm so invested in. I just think their chemistry is brilliant. I think Piper Niven's smashing it out of the park, and I love the dynamic of this like dominant face woman like contender taking on a jobber under a wing because it's like a mate and like try to bring him up. I I don't know. I've never. I, I mean, you may say well. SummerSlam 1993, Bertha Faye took on the Brooklyn Brawler, but I, I don't remember it. But this is the only one that I know that, that had this kind of relationship, and I, I think it's fantastic. I'm trying to wrap my brains a little bit with similar kind of relationships on screen, and it's and it tends to be a heel character like Carmella bringing in someone like James Ellsworth, right? Yeah. Whereas, yeah. whereas, whereas that was played for more kind of like making you. Dis, like dislike them. The fact that this is a face pairing gives it such a like charming little um, side to it. That, like I, I absolutely love it as well, and I absolutely love the fact that that you love it because it's not something that I would have you down as a fan of. And I love the fact that that they've won you over. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, prob I probably wouldn't have if I'm going to do that because I've got to criticise everything. I probably wouldn't have booked the stars as win this early. Um, sorry for NXT UK spoilers for the other person that watches it. Sorry if Jim Smallman's watching. He's the only other person along with me and Ross that watches the show. But yeah, just, uh, yeah. But apart from that one minor gripe, I, I, I really like that. Can I um, cycle back slightly? I love that you're giving NXT UK some, some love. But um, I just want to say about NXT, having not watched it, it was the first one in the Tuesday slot apart from the takeover, right? Um, do you think the fact they put on such a, for the lack of a better word, goofy main event is like a sign of, the direction obviously we talked before about them going away from the work rate style with some of the guys they're pushing but that's quite a sort of statement that the first tuesday night maybe is that goofy or maybe i don't know i'm looking too much into it what do you guys reckon well, well the, the next week is a 120 minute iron man match between pete Dunne and timothy thatcher so right. no 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 i agree yeah yes but i'm i've not even thought about that but i think um yeah i think you're right i think it could be a statement of intent that this is going to be a Bit more fun. fun, yeah. So I, I actually, I actually just remembered that I did watch it. By the way, like I, as you, <laughs> Dom's actually as you guys talking wrestling content this week. But yeah, I did, but I did watch it. And um, just to talk, what Matt Connolly said, 
I, I guess a couple of the serious wrestlers had promos. Like there was actually like a like not like like video vignettes. I mean, like there was like a really cool one with um, Imperium that was like, oh shit, when these guys turn up, it's a big deal. And there was also like one that I had muted but looked quite cool with uh, Thatcher and Champa sitting backstage. And um, I didn't even need to hear the words to know what it was. It was like Champa being serious after losing Walter. And then he always does this thing where then he like walks off and, and Thatcher's just sitting there and Thatcher gives the toothy grin. I, I don't know why, it just it pops me every time. I, I just like Thatcher, I think. But yeah, um, I am holding off on my thoughts about the main event uh, of NXT because it's going to tie into my roundtable topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, Dom's just remind me to talk about vignettes. Um, uh, Sari, or I think, is she Sari now? Um, I, I've actually, yeah, I've seen a couple of matches before. She's fucking ace. Um, she's a bit different, actually, to the... Um, she's probably less tight than the, the kind of the big three um, Joshies that they've brought over. But, yeah, just hard-hitting, brutal, and matches with Hashimoto. I've seen a couple of them. She's, yeah, really fucking good. Um I think she's going to be a great addition. And I really like the package they did, which it made out that she was a massive star. So, yeah, all good there. With um, so many people joining NXT in the women's division and WWE releasing so many women, do you think potentially EO is getting brought up in the in the, in the future? hope so. Just to keep her fresh. I know that some people might want to keep her in NXT for the quality of matches, but um, I would like to see her on the main roster, personally. I was thinking that if that, that, that if it's not Io Shirai, then potentially they may be thinking about bringing up Tony Storm. Because she's kind of floundering a little bit in that division anyway. And she's kind of ready-made for the main roster rather than NXT, probably. But yeah, like, Tony Storm. It's got the look, hasn't she? Like You can just see them making money on it. Did. <laughs> so... Um... I guess we should keep that one short and sweet and transition into the main event of the evening and the, the what the what do we call it? Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our main event of the evening. This week's Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable visits the WWE releases last week, Wrestling Managers Lost, and Dexter Loomis! This is the Wrestling Should Be Fun Roundtable. Um, I will go first just because we were talking about NXT. So mine, it is a silly one, but um, I just don't understand on what fucking planet is Dexter Loomis a babyface? And I'm not here to rip anyone, and I'm not here to rip him because he's just doing what he's told. That's his character. But I just don't understand why it's a babyface. How could a serial killer, stalker, silent artist weirdo be someone that we're meant to cheer for? Get the fuck out of here, WWE. You're, you're, you're saying that, Dom, because you're like a like a woke middle class <laughs> East London teacher, but wrestling is built on working class, blue collar kidnappers, really. <laughs> and if you're, if you think, right, you're a, you're a kidnapper, you've been out working all day kidnapping, I bet you, Dom, and your ivory castle has not had to do an hour of kidnapping in your life, 
They've been out kidnapping. They come home, what they want, they want they want a nice beer, they want a, just a cool cause light or whatever the Americans drink, a, a, a bandaged victim, and to watch <laughs> an episode of NXT. And what do they turn on? They're watching all these guys. They can't they can't identify with Bronson Reed or Tommaso Champa or these people. Who pops up on screen? Dexter Loomis, one of their own, looking at him, doing the kidnapping. They're all over it, cheering him. They're not interested in the kidnappees. They're the heels. They want to cheer good old-fashioned blue-collar working-class kidnapper, Dexter Loomis. I love I love the, like, you've just put a song in my head. I can just imagine them there, like, kidnap 16 hours. What do you get? Bronson Reed on Wednesday night. That's, that's it. All right, you've won me over. No one else needs to talk. <laughs> you don't shit bounce aside, Dom. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right, aren't you? But Isn't he it had, just... He had that gimmick impact, didn't he? Samuel Shaw. It's just the classic... Well, I think... <laughs> Sorry, Mark, go on. No, I was just going to say, it's the classic wrestling thing of he's just picking on guys that are even more unlikable. So even though he, on, on the surface, is detestable, I guess... And immoral, he's picking on people like Johnny Gagano, who are just so annoying. We're like, yeah, to be fair, mate, you've got a point, he is annoying. So you just so side like, with him. I, I, I like, like no! <laughs> That's not a thing. Like, oh, this guy's annoying, so let's kidnap him and block him in a boot, a car trunk. That's not a thing. If you think that fucking Dexter Loomis is more likable than Cameron Grimes, like, you were dropped on your head, mate. <laughs> I don't know. It's I like Cameron Grimes, and that's probably the wrong person to pick. But <laughs> it's just wrestling, isn't it? I, it's just like, yeah, like I, I agree with you, but we could play this game with loads of wrestlers, right? Oh, no, I, 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 no, I'm with Dom on this. Like, Matt, you can't say. Like, go, give us another example. Who has got a, a more monster? You know, we all character? used to cheer The Undertaker. Yeah. What you what you just what, what, what he takes people. he takes the loved ones of people who yeah. have unfortunately <laughs> passed away and tries to in a kind of in, in a classy way honor their memory. That's what undertakers do. They're an important part of the of the economy and the society. And then he's boring. Classic Hogan. Classic Hogan's a hill, right? If you want to be, go down that road. That's that's different. <laughs> classic Hogan's a hill because yeah. <laughs> That's completely different. He still said his prayers and ate his vitamins. Even the next generation. Whilst he was blowing his nose and ripping apart flags of different countries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just wrestling. It's just wrestling. I was just going to say, I think potentially they're going down the route of that, you know, he's, he's, he's just a kind of a misrepresented guy. <laughs> and he's got feelings because he paints. And they're just like, well, that's tick that box. He's a face. <laughs> He's Bob Ross. Well, <laughs> Ross, I know, like, I and I know that, and if he came to like the electric ballroom and we were there, like, I know that you would make me cheer for him to not try to ruin the show for everyone, and like, I would play along. But I, I honestly think, it all, like, to be completely serious, like, I I think that he would be better as a heel. But like, yeah, that's I think it's a waste. I get. Yeah. From my point of view, I think that I know that nobody watched it, but like Samuel Shaw did that character. And if he just came to NXT and was Samuel Shaw again, it's not, <clears throat> there's not much miles in it. Whereas what they're doing with him, 
it's given him a bit of fresh paint, so to say. Well, I, I imagine that, like, so this Indy Hartwell thing is going to give him a bit of humanity, right? Like, kind of like what X-Pac did with Kane. And then he'll come out the other side, like, more human and stuff before he does turn heel and he, you know, chops a finger off or something. <laughs> and that's what you want. <laughs> that's just realistic. That's what it, <laughs> and the, <laughs> the kidnapping community of the United States will be celebrating. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on before we offend too many people. All right, uh, welcome back, Ross. You're up next. Cool. Um, so my one this week was the death of the wrestling manager, and just a bit of a discussion about why we think they went away. Like I recently watched um, the debut of Miss Elizabeth, where um, there was like seemingly twenty odd managers that the w- that the WWF had on their roster from the likes of the Grand Wizard to Captain Lou Albano to Jimmy Hart to Bobby Heenan to the rest of them. There was like, the ring looked like it was the start of a battle royal. There were so many managers in there. And then in the 90s, it it kind of went a bit more towards a valet rather than a manager, whilst arguably WCW kept hold of the manager longer than than WWF did. The likes of um, Tennessee Lee, uh, Jimmy Hart obviously went over to WCW, um, Sony Uno. They, d- WCW definitely had a lot more managers in the 90s than, d- than WWF did, who relied more on valets. And then there was the kind of the 2000s where they just disappeared pretty much from mainstream WWF at least. Um, so yeah, just a bit of a discussion as to why you think that happened and do you think there's going to be a bit of a comeback of them with um, MVP on Raw and uh, Robert Stone on NXT um, performing admirably in different ways. I mean, this comes up like every couple of years, right? Because you get like one manager that's suddenly, in terms of with WWE being the leading product, you get like a manager that comes along or a valet, whatever word you want to use, uh, that is really good. And everyone asks the question why they're not all coming back. I remember the same sort of argument was made around the time when Heyman was doing his thing, obviously, which he's consistently done. Uh, and Lana was part of why Rusev was getting massively over, obviously, as well. Um, and then, like, it just fades and goes. I just, I suppose, one of the answers is the fact that it was shorthand for Hill Heat, right? Like, yeah. you go back to the territory days, obviously. Don't want to patronise anyone, but you all know that, obviously, the managers are just there because you can recognise the manager. So whatever new monster they're bringing in, they're getting that heat for the new monster without having to do much, right? Like, classic classic Heenan family stuff and everything. So I suppose just over time, in terms of the WWE model, it's been less needed. And then they moved to the to valets because it's more razzmatazz as you were using for WrestleMania, Ross. Uh, and it's just a bit more pleasing on the eye. So they they moved away from that kind of heel figure that they, they used to rely on and went for something else. And if it wasn't affecting anything, then I suppose they just evolved out of it. But I, I think all wrestling fans do still enjoy a good manager, so... If it's a question of bringing them back, I'd love them to come back. But I think another factor is, like, I think obviously in the 80s and early 90s, the WWF roster was full of roided meatheads, right? So they couldn't speak. So they needed something to speak for them. In the late 90s, that started changing a bit. But WCW had all those roided meatheads. <laughs> so they needed to bring managers over to speak for them. And then, you know, now they've got people who've actually can string a sentence together and are not fucking... We've got 400 different things in their system. So 
they're a bit surplus to requirements for me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not against them. I, I think my issue with managers is um, that the just tropes are so overdone now that it just like manager distracts the referee, manager in, like manager interferes, he trips someone. He's like this, just like it's like a spot that I've seen a million times. I just don't want to see it anymore unless there's something else interesting going on. And, and there are some managers I really liked. Like Larry Sweeney, R.I.P. Great Stokely Hathaway. I mean, I'm not just naming Shakira managers now, but um, I hope he actually does something like Malcolm Bivens. But I, I don't know. I, I, the only th- the thing that I'd actually prefer to managers would be like a seconds system, where you maybe have a wrestler has a maybe more junior wrestler comes out with him. Like a, a good example of that. Like, well, all Japan did it a lot in the '90s with the stables. We'd have Misawa, and it's like boys would be there or whatever, and jumbo and you know and having his lads with him or but like uh moxley did it with like shota uh umino didn't he and i quite like that because when you've actually got an in-ring talent there you can actually build storylines there and do interesting layered storylines with people having relationships with people seconds um that's what i'm probably more into the managers but i know that you lads are a lot more razzmatazz than i am you think they come back with MVP being a success at the top level in terms of he's the manager of the Raw Champ of the Raw Champ at the moment. Both world champions are manager. Both world champions have world uh, manager. Both male world champions. Because it's kind of I, when it gets to, to the top level, that's when it trickles down, right? I don't believe in trickle down economics, and I don't believe in trickle down managing. <laughs> I think AW have like a lot of managers, don't they? Or, like, because if I if I think about it, you know, you got Tully, then you got Arn with Cody, um, and then like a lot of the wrestlers there. Maybe you call them valets. But a lot of wrestlers have like a, 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 a woman wrestler with them. Sometimes it's their real life partner. Sometimes it's just someone that's there. Um, <clears throat> the Bunny, Penelope Ford. You know, like it, I just I feel like AW is doing more of it than WWE is. Yeah, Don um, Callis, you could argue um, Sting is a de facto manager. Like, yeah, there's, there's like, good shout down. There's loads, isn't there? The thing about like the thing about managers is like I think I I think the way forward and MVP is an example of it. I think if and and it's always been the case actually. Like it's not like it's a new thing. Like uh, Bobby Heenan and the Grand Wizard that and even and like Freddie Blassie, like they were all workers before they were managers, right? And, like, I think that the way forward is going to be if people like... And, like, the best example I can think of is Sami Zayn. Now, I do not want Generico to stop wrestling. Like, I love Sami Zayn. Like, I think he's awesome in the ring. But there was a point where he was just doing managerial stuff, and he was the most watchable thing on WWE TV when he wasn't wrestling. And it's almost like, like, at some point, like, WWE's going to realise that and make him stop wrestling to be the next Bobby Heenan. Because he was just so fucking brilliant outside of the ring with Cesaro and Nakamura. You know, he was just so good. Um, so I think if we are going to see more of it, and like MVP is an example, obviously he's a worker. Like that's that's now. And he can take a bump, you know. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we did see more wrestlers of that generation become more managerial types of things. And I guess like the last example I can think of was like ECW did a lot of it just because Heyman was just trying to give his mates a payday, I think. Like, 
people would just turn up, I think. And Heyman's like, yeah, righto. You know, like, oh, okay, all right, you brought your wife along with your sand man. Okay, Laurie, what do you, yeah, rhino gore pile driver off the apron, right? You know, like, uh, you know, um, our kimonos here, righto, Raven, you go out with kimono, take your top off or something, we'll give you a payday. Like, I think that, like, that was just like a real ECW thing. Like, if you look, they were all, all of these wrestlers were axed. There was no one, like, because even Taz had Team Taz. There was like an act for everyone. Like, you, you know, it's the FBI or it was Nova and Chetty or it was like Roadkill and like Doring and Electra. Yeah, and like with, with like Electra as well. And then it was like the Dangerous Alliance with, with it was Louie, you know? Like, they, they were all acts. Um, Sinister Minister with Mikey Whipwreck. And I'm sure that, was, that wasn't, they weren't, none of them were great managers. Like, so while well, my catchphrase I stole from fucking Mitch and no one's mentioned yet. Does, does anyone know that? So, like, when I say Dom Philp on the mic, not too hard, all that, that's like from Simon Diamond's manager at ECW, and not one person has mentioned it yet, and I've done it for fucking 10 weeks straight. <laughs> Unless we, I guess, like, to bring it around, what I'm saying is, I think it's either got to be more wrestlers who are getting on the, the verge of retirement, or it's got to be someone just giving their mates a payday, which maybe AEW is more of that side, I don't know. Quickly jumping back, Dom, would you have said in like 2009 or 2008 where you've got like one of the best workers in the world, he wears a mask and doesn't speak in Generico, and in 10 years he's just going to be like a really good manager? (laughs) I thought you were going to say if when I was, you know, 15 years old, if I could have chosen any wrestler to take their catchphrase, would it be Mitch? But yeah, there you go. How things work out. Um, yeah, uh, Ross, are you happy? Like, did we, I don't know if we answered your question. I think um, Brum answered the question kind of why they went away in the nineties, and it probably is the fact that people got better promos and people didn't want to share their payday. <laughs> and I think I also think last year, so I think so. Like maybe people don't all you know. Let's give um, Nakamura or let's give some of the Japanese guys or even, the, you know, the Mexican guys, let's give them a manager. But I don't think WWE wants to go down that whole route of, like, foreigner heel manager, you know? like it, and, and it is the thing. Like, most managers are heels, right? And uh, I just don't think WWE want to go down that route because it's just a bad look for every foreigner to have a mouthpiece that's a heel. You know? I, uh, one other thing I was going to say is on the – the idea that Brum obviously say about the tropes of managers, which I can't really disagree with. That's why I think Heyman is so good because I don't think he fits into the cheating side of it unless it's necessary or does fit the story of that match. Like during that triple threat mania, like sometimes you're just glued to his reactions, telling the story. And I know, I know you weren't as big a fan of that match as me, but I just, I kept looking at Heyman and like, he makes you believe that Roman's going to tap out or quit or get pinned. Like, just with a facial expression and he knows where the camera is and he knows where to stand. And obviously that's down to years of experience, but that's what sets him apart. I think from a lot of these managers as well, he, he gets that role. He's not just there to trip a foot or yeah. scale on the apron. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree. Mark. Yeah. Are there, are there any other, I know I'm going long. Are there any other wrestlers? Like I said, Sam Zayn, is there any, are there any wrestlers in mind that you think would be a good manager? I'll put one forward. I don't want to steal it. What about Spike Trevay? That's harsh, Dom. On the back of his like the best match he's had in his career, <laughs> <laughs> make him a manager now. 
Um, he's already oh. in NXT, <laughs> but um, Eddie Dennis. Oh yeah, the principal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, is I think I think the thing is with Eddie Dennis is like yeah he does have a lot of good heel mannerisms and stuff, but the um the thing that really gets me to boo him is those awful like River Island suits he wears. <laughs> it's it, it's just the gimmick of being a head teacher. That's what, you know, like it's, he's he's not going to rock in an Armani on a head teacher wage. Come on, <laughs> I won't um, I won't have a clue what he's saying probably, but um. Give Yano a group of young lions and have him train them in the dark arts. I'll have that as a manager spot. Um, okay. Uh, next up, we got Matt Connolly. Yeah, it, we don't have to go super serious on this because I think all that's been said about these guys and how talented they are is, has been said. But I just wanted to go for the positive angle and go for like everyone's pick from the released bunch and like uh, if everyone gave an opinion on one guy or girl and like where they're going to turn up and the positives about that sort of why it's a blessing in disguise maybe that they've been let go. So quick reminder of the people who got let go uh, by Dari in that uh, day last week uh, was Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas, Tucker Knight, Chelsea Green, Mickey James, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Samoa Joe. Um, have I forgotten anyone? Um, possibly one or two. I'm sorry, that's just a list. Sin Cara or someone? Not Sin Cara. Like, Kalisto. Oh, Kalisto, sorry. Kalisto, sorry. Yeah, he was there as well, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I just want to go around and everyone just give a name from that list and be like, why they're great and why they're going to be a success, I guess, rather than trudge over why it's awful. Um, so, uh, Ross, go on, you go first. I think I'm, I'm going to go with Mickey James. I think she was massively underutilised at WWE. They brought her back after years away in NXT, where she probably best belonged, to, to be honest. And she had that match with Asuka, which was absolutely brilliant. I love that match. Um and then she went over to SmackDown and she played a big part in the Alexa Bliss, Be Becky Lynch storyline as Luchadora, which I thought she played really well. And then she kind of got lost in the shuffle. But any time that she was on TV, she absolutely smashed it. Um, I don't know if you remember how she sold um, Ember Moon's finisher yeah. in that elimination chamber. Like, looked just amazing. Um, actually, not too different to Logan Paul's selling of the stunner. <laughs> um, and I think that she's going to be an asset to whichever company she goes to um, I can see her doing double duty on AEW and also in NWA with her husband Nick Aldis I think she'd be a real big addition to um, his character when he had Camille as the bodyguard of, of, of his on NWA power she added a whole lot to his character I felt and Whilst it's, it, it would be a different dynamic because Mickey James is obviously a different character and a different build to Camille, I think that potentially those two as kind of like the, as the as the golden couple of NWA and her coming across as you know I'm I'm bigger than the N, the NWA and you will know it and that's why I'm with the champion of 600 days or, or, or whatever it is I think that's going to be a real big selling point for NWA and also we've been saying it for weeks about the AEW women's division and Mickey James can still go. Like, I can't think of any time that I watched a Mickey James match in 2020 and way beyond that, where I thought she, she hasn't got it anymore. I think she's just as good, if not better than as she was in 06, 07. Not to get too sports entertaining, Ross, but if, um, 
when when Brandy is is back in ring, would you be interested in Cody Brandy versus Aldis Mickey? Hell yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be right up my street. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. I thought you were going to say put her in um, Impact, obviously, as well, where she's a former champion, and they've just let Jazz go, right? And she could take that legend spot away. But Well, they can't put her back in Impact because they killed her off. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, James Storm literally killed her. Um, okay, Brum, anyone on the list stand out? Well, I mean, not to get too dream match, but I think there's, there's been a lot of memes about it, but I think AEW can now finally book CM Punk versus Tucker Knight. I mean, got to say, I mean, I mean, Samoa Joe is just so good. At wrestling, like he's over the past. I mean, oh five or oh, well, not even earlier. Oh, oh three to twenty ten or whatever. He's top, top three wrestlers in the West. Maybe brilliant, fantastic fucking promo. Like I, I really hope he, he's got something in him because I mean, wherever he goes, there's just dream match after dream match, isn't there? I mean, can you imagine him in, if he can get a G1, even if it kills him, but like fucking... Might kill him. <laughs> Joe versus Ishii, Joe versus Okada. I mean, just list these names. Like, just be like, oh, be unbelievable. AW, I mean, obviously he goes, that's it, but Joe versus Kenny fucking Omega. Like, ah, it just, it's an absolute dream what he could do. Um, he, both he, on the mic. Eddie, Eddie Kingston, Joe, like just fucking out, just so much great stuff. Do you think he was released because he wants to wrestle and he wasn't cleared, or do you think it was something else? I don't know. P- p- possibly, that's it. That, that's the potential, isn't it? But I, don't, I mean, <clears throat> right now I'm just going to pretend that he's going to get fit, and I can just dream about these matches he can have. Um, and if not, yeah. But even as whatever, as a manager, as a commentator, as a fucking, I'd watch him referee. He's just so good. It's, he's got, as well as being an absolute fucking hench cunt who can go he's also like he's got a fucking great mind for the business so whatever he does he's just going to do very 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 good at so that's the the coldest take you're going to get on the podcast that's well actually do you know what forget that billy k is as i've said multiple times on this fucking podcast is the only real life funny not wrestling funny real funny wrestler she is going to do brilliant wherever she goes, which I really hope is. I hope she's in the G1. Now, um, I really hope uh, I'd, her and AW be great. Great. Uh, yeah, so just I'm, I'm very excited about what she goes on to do next. And I hope she gets a lot of mic time because she's brilliant. And I just, I wanted to shout at Kayla Braxton. I really hope that wherever um, Samoa Joe ends up, the first time that he shows up on TV, he's wearing a poncho. <laughs> Is that how wrestling works in your head, Ross? That when someone finishes somewhere, it just immediately starts off next. There's no real life gap. Dom, <laughs> any anyone for you that stands out? Yeah, I'll tell you what, lads, you haven't left me much here. Um, what? A, so I, I I would just echo what has already been said. Uh, obviously, that's Samoa Joe. I I hope that the story isn't a bit more sad than that though like i i just really hope he's healthy and i hope he's okay if he can wrestle you know you know fair play 
I'm sure that the reason that he got released was because he wasn't cleared to wrestle and he was earning too much in his contract to be a commentator um, because commentators get paid significantly less than what wrestlers do. And I think the WWE then thought, well, we're paying you too much to be a commentator. You can't wrestle off your go, pal. Um, but that doesn't mean you couldn't get medically cleared to wrestle somewhere else if he wanted to. Well, you know what? I don't know if Samoa might be the CM Punk guy. It's like, you know what? I make my money. I'm 40, I suppose he'd be, maybe a bit older, maybe maybe he's mid-40s. And he might just go, you know what? I'm going to go to my family and sit at home and fucking drink beer and just be a mad cunt at home. Because he, you know, like, I could just see that for him. Um, Billy Kay, I hope that she goes to Australia for a couple of weeks. Because I know what it's like to be away from home for a long time. I hope she goes and has an ice break and a meat pie and watches some footy and goes to the beach. And then she'll back to America. But I just hope that she takes the time and doesn't rush into it because she deserves a holiday um, or go home for a bit. And you know what? I'm not going to say anyone else, but I want to bring up something. Probably mate, one of the more interesting things that happened out of it for me was Alistair Black's uh, Instagram post. I don't know if you did it on Twitter as well, Ross. But I'm pretty sure I shared it with you guys. Did you see that? And like Alistair Black in all black, um, holding aviator sunglasses, and it just said "Color Herd." And I'm like, "What? Like this is either the greatest heel turn in the history of wrestling, or completely tone deaf." I, I think it's actually just terrible timing, Dom. I think that yeah. they shot some promos for it, and that was going to be a thing, and no one realised that it's just the fucking horrendous timing. Is, is my gut, but um, I might be wrong. Yep. But yeah, I agree. You were, you, were, you were totally right to highlight that, Dom. Just I, horrendous. I agree with the bad timing, but, like, did Alistair Black, he must have surely hesitated about putting that out. <laughs> like... I just, I just wish we had someone on the podcast that knew how social media management worked. Is there anyone that could trip in? Do, do these... Would it be reasonable to expect that... Would, would, do these talents... Have it like even get a say in what goes on, or does they definitely, the equivalent just post it? They definitely get final say. Okay, yeah, that's it. it yeah, like maybe, like maybe it'll come out, and maybe it'll be like, oh, Alistair Black's a heel on TV this week, and he's going to go on a run and just like run through people, um, and it's going to be cool. Like he's going to cut people down and doesn't care, and he's going to be a real Satanist. But I don't know felt weird to me when I saw it. Yeah, it was weird. Um, just to wrap up, a couple of names that got left off that I think will do bits. Um, firstly, Peyton Royce not getting any love when you're mentioning Billy Kay and how great she is, but surely that goes as a package somewhere. Yeah. Uh, as, much as, as much as Billy Kay is definitely the funny one, um, I think Peyton's probably a bit tighter in the ring, isn't she? And had yeah. that amazing finisher that she got to use once. So, um, you know, I think they'll, they'll be good. Uh, I think Kalisto is a bunch of fun. I know he's going to be remembered for that promo, but if he wrestled at the ballroom or something, it would be bananas. That guy is great. And if he had like a best of Super Juniors run, um, that would be, I think, really good for him uh, if he could get some of that. And I think Chelsea Green's probably still going to peak. Um, I know she's had some bad injury trouble, but um, I can see her going and doing doing bits. I'm not sure where. Maybe AEW, because that women's division always needs work. But uh, yeah, those are the names as well. Yeah, La- Laurel Van Ness would be, be a lot like versus... Britt Baker would be a really fun feud, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm absolutely amazed that Matt missed an, an open goal there where he mentioned Callisto and didn't mention Ryback. 
Well, Brum's already mentioned 90s All Japan, so we ticked one of the bingo boxes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ross has uh, now ticked two with Ryback, so uh, we're on our way, lads. Uh, I, I actually, I forgot to say that Samoa Joe's my all-time favourite wrestler. Tick all the bingos. <laughs> yeah. And we mentioned NXT UK, so Ross, you ticked your box in all so, so with, with Dom saying that Samoa Joe's his all-time favourite wrestler, that is a pretty good segue into my, my mystery uh, roundtable. Um, rather than doing my usual self-indulgent navel-gazing things about my minutia in wrestling, I'm going to go big. I'm going to go, what's everyone's in-ring, ra- uh, ra- in-ring wrestling Mount Rushmore? Oh, wow. Dom, Dom mentioned Samoa Joe. Can you fill that out, mate, with another three? I suppose. I, I guess Joe has to make it. So, but we're just talking in ring, right? We're just in ring wrestling. Yeah, and um, yeah, in, so I'm, I'm going in ring. I'm going to try and ask you maybe more about to try and be as objective as you can. So rather than just your personal favourite, like Nigel McGuinness is probably my personal favourite, but I'd, even though he's incredible and would be would be up there, I don't think he makes an objective top four greatest in-ring wrestlers of all time. So I was kind of thinking a little bit more. I know wrestling is naturally subjective, but I'd be, I, I thought of the question as a bit more of an objective. Who do you think gets there? And Samoa Joe is definitely a worthy, a worthy contender. Yeah, Samoa Joe is definitely a worthy contender. I don't think there's any argument who my number one would be, and that's um, Daniel Bryan or the American dragon, Brian Danielson. Yeah. Um, he'd be there for me as far as in-ring work. I mean, there's been times when I've watched his matches and there's been always been times when I thought, oh, that one was maybe a bit long or that one was maybe a bit dull in the middle. But I've never watched a match and gone, like, by the end and gone, fuck me, that, was, that wasn't amazing. Like, he always wins me back <laughs> by the end. I just think, he, yeah, that guy's just incredible. The storytelling. Now, I'll never forget, like, just something that, I always think of, and I think while I'm talking about American Dragon, um, it just when he, he had his like Ring of Honor farewell show and he came out on the microphone, I think it was called, you know, the final countdown to him. And um, he comes out on the microphone and he starts talking, he starts cutting this promo and everyone's silent and some people in the crowd are crying and stuff. And he goes, like, he goes, there's, there's so many great wrestlers who have come through here who are just as good or better than me. Uh, Matt Stryker, blah, blah, like he, like uh, John Walters. And he mentioned these guys that are similar to him but never quite made it. And then he goes, but for some reason you people just treated me as if I was special. And one guy straight away goes, it's because you are. And I just, I don't know what, the, what it is, but I feel that way. It's just true. There's just something about him that separates him from the other generic in-ring guys because he's not that. He's not a generic in-ring boring technician. Um and that separates him for me from everyone else. Separates him from Benoit. Separates him from Bret Hart. Because sometimes I found they got those matches boring. I never found Dragon boring ever. Um, and then, uh, how many do I have to do? I'm just gonna. I might just stick with the two and let other people give their points. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Fine, mate. Yeah, I might. I might just. I'll, I'll pull stumps there with uh, Samoa Joe and Daniel Bryan. I think I'll let everyone else tell me why it's Bret Hart and Chris Benoit. Conway, you chiseling four right backs in there? Or? I uh, well, I'd love to. I would love to, but uh, you you pretty much cut him off because he was all personality, wasn't he? The big guy. Um, I mean, like it's a hard question, right? Because like an entertaining wrestler or a good technical wrestler, like you're not going to see anyone who's better at doing the moves than, like, say, I don't know, a Zach who wins best technical wrestler every year. 
But I don't know if he's someone that I want to watch wrestle every single wrestler. That's kind of what I would judge it on. Yeah. So, like, for me, I don't know if this is a, a big bit of a shout or not, like a bit of a left field one. But when I watch 80s NWA stuff, or what turns in, he don't, I don't think he wrestled for them. But, like, those early NWA shows, when the network first started, I was like, I'm going to go through it chronologically. And I don't think I was ever bored in a Tully Blanchard match. So I'm going to pick him maybe controversially off the back of seeing probably 1% of his whole catalogue because most of it was out in Texas when no, like it was just a live crowd or whatever. I just never, I watch all them old matches and he's strutting about. And I know at doing the moves, he was proficient and everything, but just I could watch him face up against anyone in that era. So like I would pick him. Um, and then I'm trying to think like, I got like everyone loves the G1, and I don't think I've ever been bored in an Ishii match. But I don't know if I can really say Ishii's a better wrestler in ring than like, but he is like amazing. It's so hard. But Ibushi always strikes me as the one that I, I want to see wrestle everyone. Um, whereas with Ishii, I know like there's going to be four or five bangers, but I'm not necessarily interested in every match. Whereas I know when Ibushi, I've mentioned it before in Pod, but Ibushi can mold himself to everyone's style and put on a show. So I probably have him in there. Um, and the, I think Roddy Strong would be on mine. Um, always loved Roddy Strong in ring. I don't think I've ever been bored in a Roddy Strong match. Um, and they're the three names that jump out to me. And then the obvious one of like Benoit, because like when I was younger, even then I could appreciate that he was really good at chopping and German suplexing people. Um, so I don't even know if I've answered the like specifics of your question, Bram. But my that, that that's that's a, that's a four. Tully, Tully, Benoit, Strong and Ibushi would be my yeah. Would I've never thought of it before until you've put that there. Is Roderick Strong the 21st century Tully Blanchard? A lot in common. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah. He probably fills a similar role within the era yeah. that um, Tully filled within the Horsemen. So. Roderick, Roderick Strong. Like, Roderick Strong is a common denominator in so many great tag teams. Yeah. He's never been in a bad tag team. Austin Aries, Jack Evans. He's did some stuff with the Wolves at one point, and obviously WWE as well, and all those guys. Like, unreal. Anyway, sorry, that's not my part. I just was jumping in with that thought. He's also got a super interesting backstory. Um, for me, I'm going to go fairly obvious, and I'm going to go east meets west, and I'm going to have, on the west side, I'm going to have Sean and Brett. I just think, those two are going to be inescapable from each other until they both sadly pass away. They're so different, but so, so good equally. Um, Shawn Michaels had the, the, the entertainment value. Bret Hart had that stoic, technical, almost human superhero. He, he was like a human superhero in a time where like he was surrounded by actual superheroes that had no human tendencies about them. Um, I remember Nick Aldis actually wrote a tweet, something along those lines of like Hulk Hogan was, uh, was America's hero and Bret Hart was the world's. And I think that really, really rings true. Um, and I know that I'm a massive apologist for Bret Hart and I know that he's got his faults, but I just can't ever sit down and watch a Bret Hart match and not just, be an absolute awe at him. Um, apart from maybe that that, that um, WCW run, <laughs> um, but that's but that's that. So that's the the West Side. Shawn Michaels speaks like his his back catalogue speaks for itself. Reinvention, 
um, the excitement of his tag team stuff with the Midnight Rockers to the Rockers to the barbershop window and the and the heel turn. Um, he could have easily been a bigger star in that 92 to 94, 5 era, but they kind of, I think they did the right thing with Shawn Michaels and um, it was the right time when they did push him to, to the moon. And on the east side, I can't look beyond Tanahashi and, and, and my man Okada. I think those two, they're the reason that I started watching New Japan. Like reading it, like reading in Power Slam magazine about these matches that those two were having. And, it, and if it wasn't for those two, I wouldn't know about Ishii and Shibata and the rest of them. Like, without those two, I wouldn't know about New Japan. And I'm sure that that's the case for so many people in the West, at least. Um, they basically saved New Japan from, from where it was. And those matches stand up for me. Obviously, the, the um, Omega versus Okada series is more widely known and more widely lauded but those original Tanahashi Okada matches stand up in my in my opinion really enjoyed what you lads all said I think I think all 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 definitely all viable picks mine a bit of a crossover I've gone unlike Ross with his two on two I've kind of gone three east one west um one west to to get it out of the way Dom touched on it I mean just dragon Fucking hell. I mean, just perfect, really. Um, I've his top ten matches. Um I mean they're still incredible, but are probably not at the top ten matches of the other three that I'm gonna mention. But he can just he's just can wrestle anyone. Like incredible. And and obviously, you know, there's all cliche about him, he's never had a five star melts match, whatever, whatever. I mean, not that that means anything, but he has in reality, you know. Him and McGuinness unified, fucking hell. Him and Kenta, Mashima, all those just gorgeous. He's just so fucking good. Um, of my Japanese ones, Akada, for you know reasons that Ross said, um, but as well, he's just he's just maybe his his again coldest take ever. But his title run is the best best world title run ever. Just yeah, just unbelievable. Um, and the other two, I'm going to double tick Booker Bingo and I'm going to go, I'm going to go Masao and Kabashi. Um, slightly different reasons. Uh, Masao was, oh God, I mean, I, I know that a lot of us think lo- love Jumbo and I'd love to, to find a spot for Jumbo, but Masao was just done, I think, so much more when you add his, as, add his nail onto it. Just, I mean, his run in the, in the first half of the 90s and him and Kawada, and I feel bad Kawada not making the list as well, but just absolutely what professional wrestling should be is what Masao is. Like, as much as I love... That's what's really hard to say, favorite, like best wrestler, because as much as I think Danielson's a god, like, Masao's run is everything about what professional wrestling should be. Um, but I actually think Kabashi's run in um, at the end of, of that kind of the late 90s old Japan post Steve Williams match and and, the, and the, his early days in Noah up to, and his match with Joe talking about obviously one that Dom said just what a man Kenta Kabashi is 
Um, and I'm going to stop talking now because otherwise I'm just going to keep repeat, repeating wrestlers' names and making orgasmic sounds, which is a particularly good podcast material. But they're, they're my thoughts. Uh, really great answers, lads. I'm, I'm really glad I threw that in there. That was, that was really interesting. Good topic, mate. Yeah, really, really, really good topic. Really, really good topic. Um, Okie dokie, mate, we, we're going all right here. We're just over an hour, so we're going okay. Um, book of bingo time. B-I-N-G-O and bingo was his name-o. This is book of bingo. The last week was won by one of our guests, Ro, who booked a fantastic story with Santina Morella against Kaylee Ray for Miss WrestleMania UK that was held in Milan or something. Or what? No, held in Korea um, or some, the, Saudi. Saudi or somewhere. Yep, those three, those three places are nothing like each other. No disrespect if you are from Korea, Saudi or Milan. Um, but, uh, yeah, so someone's got to take control here and I don't know how to use a computer, so it's not me. Shotgun not. Thing. Okay. Right. So, uh, uh, do you want me to, do you want me to give it? Yeah. Got my fancy thing. So, um, <laughs> we've got, we've got, uh, Joe Hendry <laughs> versus Timothy Thatcher. <laughs> Oh, can I go first? Go for it, Dom. Abs- so, like, absolutely nothing funny here. This is going to be serious wrestling. So um, I assume that most people that listen to this or you three know that Joe Hendry actually went to the Commonwealth Games as a freestyle Greco-Roman yeah. wrestler, um, so an amateur wrestler. So he's actually quite a decorated mat technician, you'd say, even though not the um, catch-as-catch-can style of wrestling. So I imagine Joe Hendry, um, he comes into NXT. They sign him uh, based on being an amateur wrestler, and he's going to come in as a mat technician. Anyway, obviously the obvious thing is uh, he he beats a few people, like uh, roughs up a few people, and then after um, jobbing out three no-name people, uh, Thatcher walks out and says, mate, I can, I can do that too. You're nothing. I saw you at the Commonwealth Games got beaten by an Australian and wrestling isn't even a thing in Australia. You can't be that good. And that's true. He did. Joe Hendry, like he got to the Commonwealth Games, got beaten in the first round. Um, So then Thatcher, he beats, let's say Hendry's jobbed out two people. Thatcher beats them both at once in a handicap match, which builds to a serious wrestling contest. Um, And what happens is... Thatcher is getting the better of Joe Hendry, who's meant to be this amateur wrestler, and Hendry has to cheat, and then that leads to Hendry completely changing his character from the boring amateur wrestler to the amazing, charismatic Joe Hendry that does the songs in ICW and sings his own entrance musics and choreographs dance videos and stuff like that. And we get Swami heel, not that good at wrestling Joe Hendry, after Thatcher, uh, after he cheats to beat Thatcher. Nice and short and sharp, but I wanted to get in there because it came straight to me and I didn't want anyone else to steal it. Uh, I'll go a slightly different angle to you, Dom, on that one. Um, uh, Thatcher uh, gets called up to the main roster 
and he gets put in a he gets put in a feud with Elias, um, and then at one point in the feud they have they're going to go on pay per view. It's not going to be it's 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 Thatcher Elias, so it's not going to be Mania, but they fight at Battleground or whatever. And um, but on the Raw before they have they have a beat the clock challenge, um, and I don't know the current main roster. So Elias beats Michelle McCool. Um, 10 seconds quicker than Thatcher beats Yokozuna. And so uh, uh, so Elias gets to pick the stipulation for their battleground match. And he pitch and he pitches a singing contest. Um, and Thatcher's obviously like, oh, this fucking amazing wrestler, what I'm going to do? I can't, Elias comes on every week with his acoustic guitar and churns out bangers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to compete with this. So Thatcher brings in Joe Hendry, as his singing coach, and they have loads of um, they have loads of like backstage, uh, 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 yeah, like amazing backstage skits, um, where like Henry's trying to teach Thatcher, but Thatcher's really tone deaf, um, and the and it's just it's all a bit funny. But like, and it builds up to battleground, and Elias goes out, done, does one of his like diss tracks, crowd booing, and then Thatcher comes out. He's he's really timid, and then, um, and and Hen- but Hendry comes out, and he's accompanied on acoustic, and he just puts his hand on Thatcher's shoulder and says, "You can do it, Timmy. Believe in yourself." And Thatcher belts out a note perfect version of Whitney Houston's "Not Not Dolly Parton's." I will always love you. And the crowd go apeshit. It's just so beautiful. And everyone's crying. And then um, Elias is um, doesn't know what's doing. He's he's like he's just panicking. And then the official um, the official um, judge of the match is uh, is uh, Gillian Hall as the best wrestling singer up to date and she gives seven out of ten to Elias but ten out of ten to Timothy Thatcher and um, then Thatcher runs in puts an armbar on on Elias sends him out of the ring and him Gillian Hall and um, and Joe Hendry cuddle in the middle of the ring I say hug cuddle sounds a bit too intimate doesn't it hug in the middle of the ring and everyone cheers and it's the highlight of battleground that year best battleground match that I can recall (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll, uh, I'll go next. Um, I'm going to keep mine pretty short and sweet. I want to see these two um, go at it um, in Ring of Honor for the pure title. I want to see them do their graps, as as uh, Dom said, um, both proficient on the mat, um, highly thought of. Um, Thatcher treating him a bit like he like he. It's a joke because of the the musical side and, and the vignette side doesn't really see him as a threat. Um, but they have the, their their pure title championship match where Thatcher's the champion. Um, Hendry um, calls him out without the silliness, just face to face, saying that he's going to prove that he's not just a joke. He's not just Seshamov's mate um, trying to make you laugh in Ring of Honor. He's, he's a real collegiate wrestler and he's worthy of beating Thatcher on the mat. And they have a back and forth amazing match and Hendry loses gallantly um, 
and he loses when uh, Thatcher hits him with a absolutely disgusting forearm and actually Hendry loses his front teeth just like um just like Thatcher has done in in the past so he's got that kind of like cracked tooth um and he's ruined his 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 good looks and, and more importantly when he tries to sing he now has a whistle <laughs> um and this all leads to to final battle which which is of course the classic ladder match and actually the uh the prize at the top isn't the the the, uh, the uh, pure championship because it's it's a blood feud now. It's not about a championship, and what they're going for is actually um, a dental contract to get their, their uh, teeth fixed. Only one of them can can get their teeth fixed, and it's a battle to see who can climb that rung fastest and get their tights and get their uh, their uh, whites done um, perfectly. And Joe Hendry is the one that comes out on top, and he's. Um, back to his best the following week, singing Whistle Free and making fun of Thatcher for um, losing at Final Battle. And uh, that's the end of the feud. Dental plan. Hendry needs braces. <laughs> yes, I got a Dom Simpsons reference. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to struggle here. I've not got anything really coming to mind. Just a bunch of rubbish ideas I'm going to try and string together here. It's fine, just, think, yeah. just put Di Malenko again, Matt. Yeah, Di Malenko comes out. Um, <laughs> no, so um, mine's taking place in NXT, and Thatcher's just back to wrecking dudes. He's, he's gone through the Champa stuff, and he, he's gone back to basics now. He's like, listen, it's Thatcher's Thatcher can. I'm just going to tap dudes out, do all of that. But NXT's newest signing, Joe Hendry, is in the front row at uh, a match. And they're like, oh, newest signing, Joe Hendry is here. Uh, famous for wrestling in other places, and uh, now he's here in NXT, and uh, during Tim Thatcher matches, Hendry comes and sits front row and treats them like Tim Henman matches. So whenever Thatcher is on top, he's just consistently shouting, come on, Tim, come on, Tim, (laughs) and really getting on Thatcher's goat. And the first week, Thatcher manages still to deal with Cameron Grimes. He deals with him. But Thatcher's put enough wins together now that he's got a shot at Johnny Gargano's championship. But Joe Hendry actually has his entrance after Thatcher and Gagano and takes his seat again, front row. And it's, come on, team. Come on, team. Whole match. Just going at it. Thatcher snaps. He goes in the audience. He confronts Joe. He's like, listen, this is a big match here, mate. What are you doing? Leave me to it. Goes back in the ring. Gagano catches him with that DDT. Gagano retains. Hendry has ruined Thatcher's moment. So Hendry comes out a week later. He's got to explain his actions. He's like, listen. That was all a bit of fun. I'm a serious wrestler when it comes to it. But Thatcher came over to the UK and he thought he could do our style of wrestling better than all of us in this country. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know that that was a Tim Henman chant. He doesn't know who Tim Henman is. And he's going to have to, to work hard and learn his British culture if he wants to have a match with me and get his revenge. So Joe Hendry sets up a bullseye style quiz at the pay-per-view where him and Thatcher will now go head-to-head in a game of bullseye to see who can win the speedboat. And that's why I'm pitching, really. And I think uh, through nefarious means, Joe Hendry has rigged the game and he wins bullseye. And he wins the speedboat and moves on to the next company because he doesn't want to get beaten up by Thatcher. Come on, Tim. He says he's got nothing and then books that. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I mean, 
I thought Ro- oh. I thought Ross's well, both both Dom's and Ross's are really solid, but but Connolly for me, I mean, come on, Tim. Yeah, no one's so like I've I've got a couple of thoughts on some people's booking, but obviously no one's going to beat that Connolly one. That's amazing. That's a, but I've gone last. That's not fair, really. I had a few ideas. Let them fester. So like I like I like the idea of um of Ross just actually being the worst booker of all time and being like, right, what do you got for me this weekend, book? And he's like, he goes, oh yeah. So we want you to get your teeth knocked out on purpose in a match. Imagine, imagine getting out, getting out the back and trying to convince Giant. Yeah, mate, just don't worry about it. Just the front two. We're gonna, we're gonna let you win at final battle. It's only, only three months away. Yeah, no worries, mate. Um, and I, I also like the part where Matt was like, um, so, Joe, Joe Henry goes, you wouldn't even know that was a Tim Henman chant. I'll tell you who else doesn't know it's a Tim Henman chant. Everyone in the progress crowd at the Electric Ballroom when James <laughs> Charles Harris did it every show. Harris Harris invented that. <laughs> I think that's where I nicked it from. Yeah, but I think I, I still think you've missed the opportunity to do a oh Timmy Timmy. Timmy 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 that. Yeah. That's also talk British. About, talk, about, talk about missed opportunities. I can't believe Ross didn't have Hendry's tooth on top of hanging for, uh, for the ladder. Yeah. That's what I thought he was going for. <laughs> <laughs> I Brilliant. I just, I just, I just wasn't sure that Thatcher would want it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I want to be in the universe where Brum's idea happens and we all see Tim Thatcher nail. I will always love you as well. I don't know what that would sound like. That would be so good. <laughs> with Henry, like Henry just it's nodding with a tear version. behind. Did it sound like that? If if he if he could actually sing though, the WWE would have already done it. That's like one of the WWE's favorite things. They get like someone who you wouldn't think can sing, and somehow book them in a singing contest or a rap battle or something. And then they it turns out they can like they did it with like Big Cass, who's like amazing. They did it with the Road Dog. They did it with like the referee that can beatbox with John Cena. There's this the Susan Boyle versus Coco Beware feud. Yeah. <laughs> Um, great stuff. So anyway, I as as the host, I think we can all say that we're giving it to Connolly, right? Yeah, come on. You're all very kind, but I went last, so there's an asterisk. But yeah, cheers. All right, scholars, there we have it. Another episode in the books, episode 10. If you made it this far and you got through my voice sounding like it was underwater once again this week, I got no fucking idea what's going on with that internet. I live in London, mate. You'd think I still lived in Gatton with potato farmers. But anyway, I don't know. I'll try to get it sorted out for next week. If you made it this far, fair play to you. Thanks as always to Matt Brummett, Ross Casey and Matt Connolly, the winner of Booker Bingo for another week. One of these weeks, I'm going to win another one. And thank you most of all to you, dear listener. We will see you next week on the Wrestling Should Be Fun pod. Until then, though, drink lots of water. Look after your mates.